Hi, I'm Rich Blooney, and you're listening to Healthcare Pulse. In 2008, Studer Group was on a mission to better understand the complex issue of how women working in the healthcare field attempt to blend the multiple roles they assume in their lives. We wanted to know more about the unique issues that women who work in healthcare face on a daily basis and what their employers could do to ensure that they provide the best possible place for these individuals to work. To answer these questions, we conducted an online survey of 7,000 women working in the healthcare field. The findings of this study led to a number of recommendations to employers regarding ways to assist their female employees in dealing with the work-life balance. Now, 10 years later, we felt compelled to ask, how have things changed for women working in this critical employment sector? Furthermore, with the worldwide response to recent disclosures of sexual harassment cases, we wondered about the related issues faced by women in healthcare. Expanding upon the work we started a decade ago, our newly completed survey looks into the careers and personal lives of women across the United States. In today's episode, we'll review some of our findings from the survey and discuss their implications on the future of healthcare and those that work within the field. So I'm joined today by Studer Group President, Debbie Ritchie. She's devoted to making healthcare better as evidenced by the dedication seen in her direct work with partner organizations, ensuring each has an excellent experience and achieves their desired outcomes. Under Debbie's leadership, Studer Group models what it teaches by delivering high quality results to its partners with an internal focus on engagement and an emphasis on mission, vision, values, and standards of behavior. Throughout her more than 10 years as an executive leader at Studer Group, she has consistently offered executive level coaching and built professional connections, further demonstrating her commitment to the success of the organizations Studer Group serves. Debbie's experience is varied, including prior service as an elected official in the Florida House of Representatives, president emeritus and founder of the Pensacola Bay Area chapter of Impact 100, as well as board chair of Gulf Coast Kids House. She certainly has a heart for mentoring and maximizing potential and considers personal connection to be the foundation of a strong mentoring relationship. And I know this firsthand. Welcome, Debbie. How are you? Hey, Rich. I'm great. Thank you so much for letting me join your uh, session oh, you're today. You're so welcome. Thanks for making the time. So, Debbie, I kind of do a weird kind of opening question just so that our listeners can get to know the, the folks that I have the pleasure of interviewing. And I thought this question was perfect considering the topic today of talking about work-life balance and women in healthcare and all that kind of stuff. So here's your getting to know you question. So here it is. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with that extra time? Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting question, Rich. And uh, for the record, I don't do a whole lot of sleeping anyway. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess kind of to your point, um, relevant to the topic today, um, the one thing I'd like to do is have more time for all the things that I enjoy most. So, there definitely would be a little more time with my kids, a little more time with family, a little more time for me to do some of the things I enjoy doing, um, like a good walk on the beach or a good book. If I had to narrow it to one thing, I'll tell you what I have been attempting to do this year, though, and that's um, to make a point to uh, listen to more live music. So, I've been going to some concerts all around the country and having a lot of fun with that. And if there was more time 
maybe a little more money. I might do a little more of that. <laughs> what's 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 the last or what's the best concert you've seen in the last Oh year? my gosh, I saw Ed Sheeran in Chicago and um just highly recommend him. He's you know this phenomenal artist writing, playing, really performing almost uh solo on that stage, so he's incredible. That's really cool. Well, thank you for that answer. And um, I want to get right into our topic today because I think it's it's something that you certainly could speak to personally, um, but also considering you know all that we've done, the work that we've done in Studer Group um, around the subject. So your first question that I, I really thought would be a great one to ask you is, what are your key takeaways of how work-life balance has evolved over the last 10 years? So I think as we looked at the results of the survey, one of the things that hit us is that despite so much time lapsing, a lot of the results did not change significantly. And let me just speak to a a couple of the things that really resonated then and now for me in the survey. Obviously, we conducted the survey of women because um, women so predominantly um, impact the healthcare industry in all areas. Um, most people think of it in, in nursing, uh, but there are a large number of physicians and um, administrative positions, as well as just operational roles that women serve. And so we wanted to better understand um, how women were finding a way to balance such competing demand on their time. And one of the things we heard then and that we heard now is that um, women are really challenged to do it all, and they find healthcare to be a particularly demanding field, and um, particularly as they would compare that to women colleagues or women friends who were also working and trying to find a blend between work and home or work in caring for um, a parent or a significant other that perhaps needed time, that the demands of work particularly were challenging. And yet, um, while the healthcare industry is more demanding an area of, um, of employment, Given the choice, um, the large majority of women would choose to go into healthcare again. And that was really telling that uh, women choose to go into healthcare for a reason. It's, um, it's a calling, if you will. There's a, a real desire to do purposeful work that makes a difference. And so when you can do work that really is driven from the heart, you are willing to make some sacrifices that are required to try to balance the other things in your life. So that was um, that was interesting. The fact that um, despite so many years, that did not change. And um, the areas that we identified most critical to making sure that women could balance. Um, their their work life. And by the way, I think a takeaway for me is that if you try to think of it as balance, you will very likely be frustrated 
because, you know, Rich, it's just, it's hard to balance anything, right? But if you can appreciate the fact that you can blend those priorities in your life, that that's helpful. And, you know, I, I walked away from the first survey and from the second survey, believing one of the core things that we believe in here, and that is that the direct supervisor matters significantly to this whole issue of how you manage those two things really well. So those were just a couple of things, Rich, as takeaways. Well, I think one of the things that you said when, when you know, the survey and the data shows us um, that, you know, given a chance or given, given the opportunity to do something different, most uh, feel very strongly about staying in healthcare. And you said it's a calling. And I've always found it fascinating that the definition I have found of a calling is a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by the conviction of divine influence. I mean, that's the definition. That's not my definition. So when you think about whatever, you know, everybody might define divine as something different, but I believe that that means that there is a deep feeling that one has for what they're doing, where they see the big picture, where they see that they're doing something that is bigger than them. And certainly you know, our data supports that. And then to your point about blend, you know, I'm not a woman, um, but, you know, being a, a guy who's in healthcare and I'm a nurse. So pretty much I've predominantly had female bosses and female coworkers. Um, you know, I can say from, if you will, from the outside looking in, if that's fair to say that, you know, I see that, I see that commitment um, through all genders, but certainly from my female colleagues that commitment where there's a pull both ways, where there's a strong pull towards their significant others and families and loved ones and responsibilities as you spoke, but also um, their dedication and commitment to what they do. I mean, all of my mentors in healthcare with the exception of one or two, but if I looked at the the 12 people that have had the most impact on me in healthcare, um, 10 out of 12 have been female leaders and, and coworkers and colleagues. And, and, and one of the reasons is I've learned so much about you know, that you can be present in both worlds at the same time, but you're right. It's not a balance. It's definitely a blend. Well, you know, Rich, I tell you, I just over the weekend had the opportunity to read an article in the Harvard Business Review as one of their recent uh, publications. And you hit on something that really resonated with me. And and that is, look, we did this study based on women in healthcare because um, a large majority of the workforce um, are, in fact, women. But we need to recognize that um, we really shouldn't have a gender bias for a lot of these areas that we are discussing because, you know, these areas are just as prevalent and just as important uh, to male workers in the healthcare industry, I believe. Now, we haven't done a separate study to test some of that, but certainly from the male colleagues um, like yourself that I have the opportunity to work with, you're very much driven by the calling. And I, I know you work hard. I know others who work hard in healthcare, and I suspect, given a choice, they choose to go into healthcare again. And some of the things that we identified as suggested treatments or recommendations for the results of the study that we did lend themselves to our male colleagues just as they would our female colleagues. So sure. um, I think that's an important distinction to make. So, you know, one of the things that 
that I also wanted to ask you, Debbie, is when you see the current state, um, whether based on the data or just your impression um, from what you've seen, when you see the current state of work-life balance for healthcare workers, and obviously we're, we're speaking specifically about women, um, do you ever worry that it will drive the higher performers away from healthcare? Or do you feel that, as you stated before, their connection to purpose is, is so strong that much like they've said in the, in the data and in the survey that they would stay, stay there. Are we at risk for losing people to, you know, other areas, even on the periphery of, you know, direct patient care, whether it be more into the technology world or into different things, but um, do you see that as a trend that concerns you? Well, my sense is no matter how much you love the work, if you don't have an opportunity to do work that aligns to your values, that you understand why you do the work, that there's a connection back to that purpose that I spoke of earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, In the absence of some of those things and other things like that, we absolutely run the risk of losing people uh, in the healthcare industry. And it's why I'm so passionate about the work that we do at Studer Group, because we recognize that leadership and building better leadership capability is critical to retaining our best and brightest in the industry. And so I think we certainly have to be mindful of it, even though we are fortunate to be in a field where people definitely feel connected to their work Mm -hmm. and that they feel there is a calling to that work they are still trying to manage through the challenges that come from working every day. And so um, whether you lose them to healthcare, you know, another hospital down the street or another sector of the healthcare industry, I suppose is, um, is something that could happen. But um, in the absence of really recognizing good talent, we will lose them to someone. Do you think there's more of a need or a calling for, or do you feel that it's right where it should be for women to function as mentors to other women? Do you see that? Because I, the only reason I ask you that specific is because I know you personally, and I know a lot of our colleagues and coworkers who have said to me off to the side, how much of a mentor you've been to them. Um, And these are predominantly female colleagues and coworkers, but certainly males as well. Um, But do you see room for that uh, to, to expand more? Do you feel that that's something that's helpful? Because we spoke or you spoke about, you know, how, how people, if they feel a connection to their leader, they're more likely to stay. But just in general, whether it's a leader, formal or informal, um, how do you see that mentoring piece um, fitting in as, as we speak about women in healthcare? Well, we definitely saw data come back in the survey that um, women are either caring for children the majority are either caring for children or caring for a parent or some other need. And so I recognize that it can be challenging to add one more thing to your plate with mentoring someone. The thing I find about mentoring and this, I urge people who are often trying to find, you know, how do I find a way to fit one more thing in is that the reward you get from mentoring is far greater than anything that you would give in terms of time or commitment. Um, so inevitably, anytime I've, I've taken the time to just help someone else to be better, I find that I get better in the process. 
And so until you do that and experience that yourself, I don't think you fully appreciate how significant the reward back to you can be. So yeah, Rich, I would just really encourage people to make the investment of time to to really develop others. You know, a lot of our nurses that listen are familiar with a phrase that we heard a lot in nursing school and even throughout our career, see one, do one, teach one. Um, and that, you know, you get better at something when you see it done, you get better at something when you practice it, but that there's also an improvement when you teach it. And I've always looked at that teach one part as that mentoring piece that when you involve yourself with somebody else to help better them, I think you get better, whether you're talking personally or at a particular skill. So I think that's, uh, I couldn't agree more, but I appreciate your unique perspective on that because I know that's something that, that you hold near and dear. I'd have to ask this question because I, I think, you know, having a discussion about women in the workplace and not, you know, asking this question or a question like it would be wrong. Um, how do we deal better with um, harassing behavior? How is there what some some thoughts that you have on that? Yeah, you know, isn't it interesting that um, certainly there's been a predominant focus of just harassment in the workplace and in our media of late. And I think it's really elevated um, a sense of values that's, um, to me, very positive in that, you know, we want and expect for people to be treated better Um, People have that um, sense of, you know, they deserve that. And in turn, they want to make sure that others are treated the same way. So from our study, we certainly found that, um, you know, there's a particular um, presence of harassment, particularly um, from our female physicians. Um, You know, there were they had a a slightly higher percentage of um, being aware and witnessing and personally experiencing sexual harassment. But interesting, the female physicians were also the least comfortable in reporting it. And so um, there were there were some other interesting data points. um, And I think to, to lend itself back to the conversation we were just having around those that we think of as the leaders in our organization and that we look to to really think about how to um, help others in the organization. You know, I think physician leaders are often looked upon as those who could be most helpful to our nurses and to others in the healthcare industry. And so we want to find a way to make it more comfortable to um, feel a sense of value and obligation to report the things that you see that aren't right in the workplace. And anything that takes us back to the core of mission, vision, and values in an organization, to me, is only going to be a good thing. So that's what, um, as we begin talking about the results from our study and doing more to make others aware. Those are the kinds of things that I think, I hope will really come to the forefront. Yeah. And I mean, my thoughts on that and how I would connect to that is it's all of us. It's a team sport, right? I mean, so, you know, we often hear said within a lot of our presentations and, you know, what you permit, you promote. So, you know, somebody might say, well, I've never harassed anybody, but, you know, if you've witnessed it and didn't speak up, um, your silence is, 
your agreement with that behavior, your silence or refusal to call somebody out on it is in a way you're permitting it. So you're promoting it. And it's a team sport. You know, we've got to look out for each other. We've got to protect each other. And when, you know, somebody is, you know, bullying somebody or harassing somebody because of their gender or, or whatever, you know, um, it's it's all of us. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it, it takes absolutely, all of us. Um, absolutely. Well, um, you know, we could talk about this for forever. Um, you know, as unscripted as we like to be, I, I just, I felt that I just had to ask you something that's maybe a little bit more personal. I hope that's okay. Um, you know, you've, you've done a lot in your career. Um, you're, you're an amazing example of, of what a person can accomplish. Uh, is there a lesson? Is there something, if, if there was a, 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 whether a young woman or a woman who is new to healthcare, new to the professional world, et cetera. You were riding in an elevator um, and this woman said to you, hey, you know, you've done a lot in healthcare. You've done a lot in, in industry. What's, what's something you could tell me that, that would help me be better or help me to be stronger before we get off the next floor? What would be your, you know, 20 second word of advice to somebody? Well, one of the things we found from the study is that women fail to take the time they need to take care of themselves. And women really need, in fact, we all need to take the time to take care of ourselves. That can be your personal health and making sure that you are recharging and re-energizing and sort of refilling your bucket to be the best person that you can be. And I use the word person because Maybe at some point it's how you can be a better mother, how you can be a better wife, how you can be a better sister or daughter, what, whatever it is at the moment that you're seeking to be, you have to make sure that you are also taking time to, to self-help. And um, I think that also comes in the form of development. I think we're often so busy trying to get to the next thing that we need to do that we don't often as part of taking care of ourselves, recognize that we also are responsible and accountable for our own development. And if you'll take the time to, you know, learn and continuously improve yourself, you'll find you can be more productive in the things that you enjoy doing, which will only afford you more time to do those things that you love. So I think, Rich, that would be my one takeaway. I think that's great. Well, on that note, um, I want to thank you so much for being part of this podcast. I really, really hope uh, in the future we can have you back for some more stuff. Would you be into that? Rich, I would spend any time I could with you. Thank you for the time to join you today. I appreciate you saying that. So you've been listening to Healthcare Pulse, hosted by Rich Blooney and produced and edited by Lindy Sykes. Our special thanks to our guest, Debbie Ritchie, and all of our colleagues and collaborators at Studer Group in Huron, you can find more about our podcast and other episodes on Stitcher, iTunes, and studergroup.com. Have an amazing day, and thank you for being here.